Tell us about the full life experience of a cow raised for its meat. Well, I mean, it's it's going to be very similar similar to what we've been saying about all these animals. Cows, in a way, very often have it a little bit better than the other animals in the sense that they're still, in most cases, at least in the United States and many parts of the world, um, after they're born, of course, they're uh, castrated, uh, the males, and... Um, dehorned very often, um, painful procedures and so forth, but branded very often. And, but then they can live very often. You'll see them out in somewhere in a pasture or field for a while, but then they usually go to be fattened up after uh, a year or so. And that's um, hyper-confinement and massive amounts of, of um, of, of the toxic um, manure that piles up. I and mean, you just drive along Highway 5 in California, you see mountains of manure and you see these animals. You know, we, again, we lived in an RV. We've seen all, it's ugly. It's just the ugliest thing. It stinks, it's, it's ugly, it's violent. And these animals, uh, you go to, we went to the largest um, beef slaughterhouse in the world in Amarillo, Texas, just to see what it was like there. And it's, my heart really went out, not only to the cows, but to the workers to just stand there all day and stab animals. And it's a terrible, uh, it's just a terrible thing. I mean, the, the fear and the stench and the, and the horror of these animals just being seen as mere pieces of meat and being killed. And um, so it's a huge amount of, of violence. And these are big, powerful animals, of course. And so the bigger and more powerful they are, the more violence has to be used on them in many ways. I mean, they very often when they're, they're uh, I mean, this, I talk about it in the World Peace Diet, they very often die piece by piece. The stunner misses or something, and then they, they go down the line, they're still conscious. It's terrible to talk about, but they're skinned alive and so forth. So uh, we don't know. And, and chickens go through this. I mean, all these animals go through uh, the, the stunning, the stunning can miss or uh, this, the, the, the knife that cuts the, the arteries misses and their animals are still alive when they're thrown into the scalding tank. They're, they're, they're still alive. And so you no know one knows um, the hor horrific nightmare that these animals endure. And uh, again, it's completely unconscionable, but like we've been saying, it's, it's covered up. And um, that, that kind of violence and abuse it really says something, I think, about why we have the wars and the injustice and the disease that we have in our human society. If we don't address this, how can we expect to meaningfully address anything else, really? I'm sorry. Oh. That are waiting for me. Go ahead, so go ahead. I, sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I just was saying that I have to take a departure because I have twins that are waiting for me and we, we have dinner together. And so I, I don't want to miss that, but I'm so grateful to have this time with all of you and thank you so much wish everyone all blessings and, and, and thank you for listening and being a part of this. We've talked about some heavy stuff and some sad stuff and it, it can be hard to face. Um, but of course, uh, when we know we can act, right? We can, we can participate with that knowledge. We can of course spread the word and contribute to a world where this doesn't have to be the norm. And so I wanna thank all of you for helping hopefully to build a more compassionate and more ethical and more loving and more vibrant and more beautiful world. 
And thank I appreciate you. everyone who's been here tonight. And all, all right. Everyone. It's been great to be with you. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Benny, would you like to ask a question? Benny, where are you from and you'd like to ask a question? Joe, would you like to ask a question? And where are you from? Yes, I would. I'm from Long Island, New York. Um, excellent presentation. Thank you very much for this tonight. Um, <clears throat> I've been um, closely watching this movement. I've been part of it since the 80s. Um, actually, Ocean's Dad inspired me with his first book that came out. Um, the troubling thing that I've noticed over all of these years is that the movement um, hasn't really progressed in terms of its ability to be um, more effective against the uh, forces that we're working against. So it's a little disheartening to hear um, the war. I'm gonna use that word, unfortunately, I hate that word. Maybe there's a better word, but the, the, the approach um, that we're taking um, we're being outpaced. And, um, and unfortunately, um, the people that, the young people that are joining the movement, um, you know, are either into it for their health, their environment, ethical. Um, it's not comprehensive. It's not forceful enough that I believe it's making um, enough of an impact. Um, I'm fighting like hell. I will not stop. I believe one person can make a difference. And I'm not letting any of those forces um, slow me down, but I'm gonna tell you from my bottom of my heart, after observe, observing this thing for close to 30 years, um, I'm seeing this thing commoditized. I'm seeing it defined by corporations. I'm seeing it looked at as a, uh, a fashion statement to some degree. Um, what you people are talking about is something so damn serious, it's, 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 it's mind blowing, you know? So um, it's not brought up to that level and that concerns me. Thank you. Yeah, I think I'll just say briefly, uh, oh, sorry. Uh, I think you, you, I agree. I mean, it's, uh, we would love to see faster progress and what is actual progress? Sometimes it's hard to tell. Um, but we've got to understand, of course, this is 10,000 years of momentum that's been going along. And so it, it, as I talk about in the World Peace Diet, the very core of our society is animal agriculture. That's the defining characteristic of this culture. So asking someone to go vegan, it's like asking them to leave their tribe. <laughs> it's a tribal uh, fear people have. We're, we're, if, if people were rational and logical, like... Uh, like Charles is, right? Uh, you know, the whole world would be vegan. Be, we would all be vegan a long time ago, but we're not rational, really. We're tribal. And so this tribal mentality, everybody wants to just get along, be part of their tribe and fit in. And food is the main way that we bond with each other and with the tribe. And so you tell someone I'm a vegan, it's like you're from another tribe. And I remember when I was watching some ducks in Switzerland, I was realizing the mother duck what she was doing was teaching her little ducklings, eat this, don't eat that, right? It's the most number one powerful, important teaching of all species from the parents to the offspring is food. And so when we come along with our vegan message, we're basically going against 
the, the most powerful teaching. You don't question the food of your parents. That's just survival. So the, and, and the tribal survival. So, so it's, it has huge overtones. And so I think we have to understand that and then use our, like Hope was saying too, you know, use our capacities skillfully. And I used to, when in the beginning, I wanted to just shake everybody till they went vegan. I said, I'm just not going to stop shaking you till you go vegan. Because <laughs> I thought, so you've got to do it. You know, it's, it's like critical. But then I realized if someone came up to me with this idea that I'm wrong and they're right, you know, that, that basic idea, I'm going to change you because you're wrong and I'm right. That's how we vegans feel. Like we're right. We know we're right. And we want to change these non-vegans and make them go vegan. Then the world would be great. But, but if someone came up to me with that mentality of I'm, you're wrong, I'm going to change you. The natural healthy thing is to you know put up your dukes and defend yourself so that's what we get we got a bunch of people fighting back of course so that's why i think the whole idea that i'm emphasizing and i think the movement is moving in some ways in that direction is that we need to really embody veganism as loving kindness and compassion for all beings animals and humans and plant seeds effectively like Hope was saying, find out what, you know, what, what that person, what resonates with them and find our unique strengths and work with those. What are we good at? Are we good at rationality and write books? Or are we good at cooking demos? Or are we good at organizing conferences? Or good at doing podcasts or doing music or art or videos? And, and just do your love. We're only here for a few decades on this earth, no matter what. I mean, realize that this has been going on for thousands of years. We're here for a few decades. The whole thing has come to a, a head it's at a critical point. We don't. We need. We need a vegan revolution. Absolutely. So we're here with a few for a few years. Just if each one of us just does our best and supports each other in doing our best, and not we don't. I don't think we should be criticizing other activists. Just everybody has their way, and and do your best to bring and embody the message. Really do the inner spiritual work that needs to be done so that our words and our and our. Uh, our being are congruent. I think that's really important that we're congruent in our message. We're talking about compassion and kindness and caring and sustainability and tenderness that we actually embody this and we'll plant those seeds and just tell our own truth. I think that's really the, the main thing. I'll just, the last final thing I'll, I'll say is if there's one truth we can share, uh, I said it maybe a little bit earlier, but it's the idea that the only reason I'm eating animal foods is because I'm following orders. And that's true for everyone. So when we mention that and just say, gosh, I'm so glad I discovered that the only reason I was eating animal foods all those years that I was doing it was because I was just following orders. I'm not doing it anymore and it's great. We've just planted a truth bomb in a sense because that's true for everyone. And the person's own wisdom and compassion will help nurture the seed we've planted and, and then we can let go, just, just do the best to plant these seeds of truth in others with love and compassion and kindness and caring. And that, and, and it'll, it'll work. I mean, I think people are open to this message. We have to stay on track with the message and try to embody the message uh, and, and avoid the temptation to judge and shame and blame and criticize other people, but at rather, bring the message and act and speak our own truth, basically. I agree with a lot of that, but I also kind of disagree with the question a little bit um, with the questioner. Uh, um, like if you just look at um, 10 years ago, especially or 20 years ago, especially, but 10 years even versus now, it really is night and day in, in, in terms of the amount of activity of, uh, and, and and the amount of options out there. And 
So yes, you can feel uh, bad that it's not being solved overnight, um, and it's still probably going to take a, a you know years, if not decades. Um, but there is already like uh, the way I would phrase it or, or or put it in terms of like you know how um, they talk about the stages of first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, then you win. So I see twenty years ago as they were still in the ignoring stage, and now we're in the big mix of some people still laughing at us, some people are fighting us, and we're getting a few wins here and there. And and so we're just in that mix. And uh, I, I see forward momentum. Um, you know, it, despite the uh, truthness of some of the things said, um, you know, like a lot of times you have to take, you know, zigs and zags until everything comes together. And I see a lot of forward momentum here. Mm -hmm. I would agree with that. I know we've been a lot on this, but I'll just add really quickly. I, I would agree that with Charles and Will, we've, we've come so far uh, in the last 30 years. And I just heard that in the US, there was a new survey that just came out that 10% of US, the US population says that they are vegetarian or vegan. And that's up just like 5% from just five years ago. Between 2013 and 17, it was about 5%. So just in five years, it's grown 5%. I mean, that's, it's doubled. That is fantastic growth. And for a social movement, I mean, these things can take generations and generations. So we are actually moving at a, at a just a rapid rate uh, and we don't even realize it. It's, it's uh, very exciting. Yeah, I think it's about reaching critical mass too, and that ten percent is is um, you know, especially if it was vegan. <laughs> but still, uh, when you get to a certain critical mass, it's just it goes snowballs faster and faster. So I think it's important to stay positive, yeah. stay on track, and just keep planting seeds every day. Plant seeds, just keep planting away, and um, if we all do our best, we're definitely making a difference. Yeah, That's and once you question, switch though. over, the tribalism works in the in our favor. Right. Exactly. Yeah, because then everybody has to come on board because everybody else is doing it. It's reached right. that critical mass. Right, yeah. make a drive. Yeah. <laughs> Jerry, would you like to ask a question and where are you from? Yes, I would like to ask a question. I live in Portland, Oregon. And um, I had no idea about any of this stuff until about six years ago when my husband suffered a major heart attack and he didn't get better. And I learned that the way for the, the real way for him to heal was by changing the food that he ate and that he'd been eating for 30 years that almost killed him. So I wasn't really interested in animal rights or any of this stuff for a long time. You just start picking this up by osmosis though, the more you get into it and the more you start reading and you know, under you see the light. But after this long, I am seeing that, yes, of course, we'd like everybody to be healthier and have a better immune system, but it's not just saying, this is the light, here's the way to go. People have very strong religious beliefs, very uh, strong cultural traits. I had posted in the chat that I am half Chinook Indian and the salmon ceremony is the biggest thing in our culture, which, obviously includes, you know, catching a fish, praying over it and killing it and eating it. And I guess my, my 
idea I'm coming to is that it would seem to me that it is better for the quote movement to get more people to eat less animal products than to insist that more people become militant vegans. And I just see a huge divide. The more that we interact with our family and friends, I don't want that conflict. The compassion needs to come from both sides. And that would be, I think, where I am going to continue to put my efforts at this point. So I'd like some feedback on that. Well, thanks. Uh, it's great. Uh, go ahead. Do you want to start, Hope? Go ahead. Well, that's fine. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, no, I just, I just would say um, it's great that you've come this far and you're doing, uh, you have this awareness and it's growing. Um, for me, uh, having been a vegan now for 42 years and most of that time being an activist, I think the way it is, the feeling I have at this point is it's such good news. I mean, it's like the really good news is we don't have to eat any animals. No, we don't have to terrify and terrorize and kill and slaughter any animals. So why would I ever tell people to do a little less raping, do a less, little less killing? You know, I mean, it's like, no, I'm, I'm just going to say it's great not to do any, right? It's just, and, and if people want to do a little bit on their own, that's their choice. But, um, but I think uh, it's not, you know, it's not about being militant or non-militant. It's about being joyful and happy and celebrating the fact that we've been given a physical body. Every human being has been given a physical body that doesn't require any animal to suffer to get all the nutrient nutrients that we need to thrive and celebrate our lives here. I mean, that's, that's the bottom line. We, there's no nutrients that are in animals that didn't get into the animals except by plants, right? So we can eat the plants directly. We don't have to imprison or catch or steal or whatever, uh, uh, harm and abuse any animals to get those nutrients. So maybe people in the past did and they, for whatever reason, they thought they had to, but now we're in a situation where we can really be free. We can liberate ourselves from, from this, this ancient, these ancient practices and, under, and create rituals and ways of living that are based on respect and, uh, for, for other beings. And I remember, for example, being in New Zealand and giving a whole talk, uh, you know, on the on this stuff, uh, and uh, a bunch of Maori uh, were there, and when the people from New Zealand that organized the, this lecture um, said, "Oh, this is this is going to be really interesting because the Maori people they eat a lot of meat, they love fish, especially you know that's their traditional food is fish," and uh, I don't know what they're going to say when you're finished. So I gave my whole talk. And at the, at the end, um, the, the Maori elder stood up, you know, and, and he had a question, you know, and I thought, all right, here we go. And uh, he just stood up and he turned to everybody in the audience and to all the Maori people, especially. And he said, what this man has been saying is absolutely right. We no longer should be engaging in behavior that causes terror and fear and pain to others and is harming our environment, is harming other living beings. This is the real way that we should be going. And I think when we just deliver the message with love as, a, as an option that's available, people will, will get it. And you know, we've given lectures in Iowa and in the middle of hog country to a bunch of farmers. And I just tell, we just tell these basic truths that no one's eating animal foods except for their own, because they're following orders. 
And they all go, yeah, that's true. And they know it's not good. They know it's not healthy. They know, they know, everybody knows. We don't have, we don't have to be militant. I mean, just tell the truth and with love and, and uh, smile and offer delicious vegan food. And uh, it's a win-win. It's an absolute win-win. And, and don't try to change people. If I try to change them, like being militant, they won't change. They'll resist. Just change myself. Make myself be what veganism is and the people will change. You don't have to try to change anybody. Just live this truly, and the people will change. Sherry, would you like to ask a question, and where are you from? Are you speaking with me? Yes. Hi. Um, I am in central Delaware, and uh, oh, wow, I live right in the middle of poultry country right now, although I didn't always. Um, I spent the better part of my 40s uh, in North Carolina being a certified wildlife rehabilitator. During that time, I had received over 100 hours of training and was working with veterinarians. I had volunteers from the NC State Vet School helping me. And uh, we had talked a little earlier about the sentience of animals. And I want to tell you that what I saw about the way animals care for their young, the way they relate to each other, the way you can actually see that there is very little conflict interspecies. And by that, what I mean is that, uh, for instance, I had a raccoon that I had raised from two days old. A tree had been cut down. The mother cradling her babies had been cut in half by a chainsaw. And two of the other babies had been killed. And this one was rescued by a tree service guy. So I got it when it was two days old and it was all mouth. And um, I raised that baby. I used to wear a ghost, what they call a ghost, when I fed the baby which was a translucent piece of fabric. So the baby raccoon couldn't tell it was a human feeding it. And anyway, baby raccoon grew up and on one particular day did not wanna go back into its enclosure and off it went. A year later, it came back with three babies of its own, came up on the porch, stole vanilla wafers out of my hand and showed the babies where the cat food dishes were. Now, the cats didn't care. The dog didn't care. They were all getting along fine. I think a lot of our misconceptions revolve around our own um, tendency to want to believe that us versus them kind of thing. And Will, I, I respect your ideas about tribalism and at the same time, you know, we often see stories about interspecies relationships that should not have worked, but they do. So, and I'm sure a lot of people are going to come at me and say, you should have let nature take its course. You shouldn't have been saving those animals, but eh, it's okay. I'm fine with it. <laughs> anyway, I'd love your opinions on that. Oh, one more thing too. 
this is a message to what Hope said about the economics of it. When you go into a store and there are two or three medium okay avocados and five dozen conventionally grown avocados, which one are you gonna buy? For me, I'll spend more money <clears throat> to get less food to support the organic farmer. That's just me. What do I know? Gentlemen, lady. No, I think you told a good story. Thank you. Okay, so um, I want to thank everyone. Um, and if each of you could make a 30 second closing summary comment, and again, tell us how to stay in touch with you if we would like to stay in touch. Will, you want to start? Okay, well, I, uh, I think uh, I've already said pretty much plenty here and, and it's, it's time to stop. So I'll just say thank you all so much for your kind attention, for caring. Let's go forth and multiply the message uh, of compassion and kindness and health and sustainability and freedom and respect for the sovereignty of all beings. And I think, you know, this life, uh, as I say, I think a spiritual approach is critical that we understand our purpose in this life and that we see the purposes of others and honor them and deepen our own awareness of the interconnectedness of all life and do the inner work so that we can actually embody this, uh, what veganism is, which is loving kindness and inclusiveness for all beings. I think that's really the core teaching here and to do everything with love and kindness and compassion and, and question the official narratives in our society. So please do stay in touch with me uh, if you'd like in any way, willtuttle.com or worldpeacediet.com. You can sign up for our newsletters. We have trainings. We have, uh, you saw it before all the, uh, the videos. My wife, Madeline has in, uh, Madeline's Intuitive Kitchen and our food forest and uh, the, um, the schedule of lectures and so forth. So we're happy to stay in touch and answer any questions you may have. Thank you, Charles. Uh, yeah, I, I just wanna echo uh, thank you to everybody um, who's here and everybody doing their part. Um, I, I, uh, I guess if anyone wants to be in touch, um, I think you could reach me from the Medium site that was listed before, so that that's probably a good way. And and for anybody who who um, knows somebody who um, they're not getting anywhere with, you know, because they're just saying, oh, you're just being um, irrational, and and animal rights is irrational, and I'm a, a logical person, then you've got a book to get, to get. So uh, meet logic. Thank you. Oh. Yeah, I was honored to be on this panel. Uh, and Stephen, thank you so much for putting together this amazing conference. You do a great yes. job every year. Uh, I'm honored to be part of it. And uh, I would invite everyone to check out my podcast, hopefortheanimalspodcast.org. I put the website in the chat. Uh, and also my, my work with my nonprofit, Compassionate Living, I put that uh, in the chat as well. Uh, so if you want to get in touch with me through either of those channels, you're welcome to. I would love to further the conversation. And thank you for your compassion uh, and take it out into the world and live vegan.